the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is, and welcome back. Been getting some emails and questions uh, from you all about what's going on in Scottsdale, particularly with regard to a hotel uh, sheltering Afghan refugees. My good friend Abraham Hamaday has been speaking on this. He, of course, is also a candidate for the state office of attorney general, someone I'm supporting and urging you to take a look at for the same. His website, Abe, A-B-E, 4-A-G, Abe4AG.com, and he spells out for F-O-R. You can also follow him on Twitter at Abraham Hamaday, H-A-M-A-D-E-H. Hey, boy, welcome back to the show. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Seth. Appreciate it. You betcha. Uh, This story comes to us a lot of ways, and it's affecting a lot of uh, concerns in the Scottsdale area. It should be more than just Scottsdale. I saw one... One of the smaller concerns, though, in no way to diminish it, it's just it's just a, and when I what, I guess I should say an aspect of the concern, not a smaller concern, an aspect of the concern. Parents at Kokobas School are now just learning from the uh, school district that they're going to have their children along with the Afghan refugees' children that are uh, being evidently housed at uh, this hotel that had made news earlier in the year as one for uh, illegal immigrants. Now it is being used, as I mentioned, to shelter Afghan refugees. First, just your general political comments, then we'll get into what could be done about it should you uh, be elected to the position of attorney general. Your overall view of this, though, to start with, Abe. All right. Thanks, Seth. Well, I want to take people back. I did actually write an article in The Republic back in October talking about the influx of uh, Afghan refugees coming into Arizona. You know, it didn't get a lot of attention. You know, I don't know if anybody still reads Republic. I should have probably came on the Seth Leapson show. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, it was uh, when I wrote about it back then, I, I advocated I advocated for the state leaders to work with the federal government because I predicted the situation happening. Right. I mean, what we had was the 60 to 70,000 um, Afghans uh, withdrawal from Afghanistan and that botched withdrawal. And only about probably around 10% for SIV holders now. At the time, it was 3%, probably increased to 10%. So when I, say, when I say SIV holders, that's the special immigrant visa holders. Those are the ones who actually worked with our men and women in uniform, you know, the military, who obviously should come here because their lives are at risk, you know, for um, working with the United States. But the vast majority of them are humanitarian parolees. And, you know, to give their listeners a background about myself, I just returned from a 14-month deployment to Saudi Arabia where I was in charge of enhanced security vetting um, that I implemented these new enhanced security vetting measures, and that was in response to the 2019 Pensacola terrorist attack because we're trying to prevent that from ever happening again, which killed three of our three of our sailors. Right. Um, so what I, I have pretty you know expertise on this. It takes weeks and months to have done that, and at the time back in October, they were rushing Afghans off the base. Okay, the military. You know, they're not, they're there for a war fight. They're not there to babysit. So they're rushing to get them off the bases. And the State Department was really bad at this. 
But the enhanced security vetting is pretty exhaustive. You can find metrics that then goes through, you know, intelligence agencies and law enforcement agencies, and you also go through social media posts, and you also go through background uh, checks. And I'm not sure, you know, with the, uh, now it's January, so maybe they've done enhanced security vetting by now, but I doubt it. Okay, the federal government is very, uh, you know, the bureaucracy of it just sometimes it gets lost in it. But right now, what's happening in the Scottsdale hotels? I mean, at the Scottsdale hotel specifically. You're having the city leaders not knowing what's going on. Right. You're having the school district, you know, withholding information from parents right. and teachers, and now it had to get leaked. And then you're having our state leaders not knowing anything as well. So everybody keeps passing on the bus. What I've been, you know, calling for is a town hall. Bring the parties together. Have, you know, parents and teachers come and speak out and voice their concerns and have questions. There's legitimate questions set at this point. I mean, from what I know, they said it's only a temporary measure from now until April. So Scottsdale is going to take on these students um, until April, but then what? Where's their final destination? So, you know, what's the plan? I think people are just wanting answers right now. And before everybody jumps the gun, how about we have actual leadership with our state officials? Excellent. Uh, excellent set of points. And, and, and just so I can put an underscore on this, Abraham, uh, people should understand this is within a five-minute jog at worst, probably a five-minute jog of Chaparral High School. All of this, just just so people understand how close this all is, right? I, I think it's 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 a, it's between a quarter and a half a mile from Chaparral. Abraham, what if it turns out this becomes increasingly problematic, or problematic as many are worried? What could you as state AG do? Do we sue the federal government? Uh, is there some kind of an enforcement mechanism? What, what, what could you as attorney general do if it becomes the, the – if the notion becomes that this is just simply untenable, period? Right. Well, I want to make sure you know, the fear-mongering also um, stops too. And this is exactly why we need a town hall so right. we can answer these questions. I mean I've actually taught refugees a few years ago. Um, at the Mormon Church, actually, in Mesa. And while I was in deployment in Saudi Arabia, those same refugees were um, actually getting their citizenship, and they called me. I was FaceTiming there in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, helping them out on the civics, right? Mm -hmm. And it was such an honor for me to actually make them good Americans and teach them about the Constitution, our founding documents, because I'd rather have, you know, these immigrants as patriotic Americans than as Ilhan Omar's. As long as they're here, yeah. As long as they're here, you bet. You bet. Right. So I think, and as Attorney General, before we sue the federal government, I think we need answers. And this is where I would call, I'm not just calling the state leaders, but also the federal representative uh, of the state as well. We all need to come together. This is what I called for way back in October. So this is easily predictable what's happening mm-hmm. when we're tra- when taking this influx of refugees. Have a town hall, get these meetings in place with the federal government. I'm sure there can be a solution. You'd be surprised. So much, you know, gets lost in just communication, even in warfare and all of that. As long as we're communicating, we can come to a solution. So the Attorney General, that's the first thing I would do, is create a town hall. You know, it's too bad. I think, you know, the governor spends a lot of time at luncheons in the Biltmore corridor, you know, but I, don't, I haven't seen a hall recently. I haven't seen a town hall with many of our state officials. And it's so much of, so much can be resolved just by talking to people. I think people forget, or the leaders forget, that they're representative of people. And that's who they ultimately work for. And, you know, there's really there's big concerns from parents and teachers. How are they going to teach these kids? You know, if they speak four languages and they've had no schooling prior, and if they're going to be, you know, leaving in April, where are they going to be going to? There needs to be, just be some sort of plan. And the federal government shouldn't expect the states to pick up the burden or cities to pick up the burden. We just need answers. And a town hall would 
be very wise at this point. Yeah, I, I gather that's right. I, I, I don't. Rem- I'm trying to remember what the what the name of the movie was. Maybe you saw Tom Cruise played uh, 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 an airplane uh, an airplane pilot that was taken over by the government from American Airlines or something like that, and he's flying missions between here and Nicaragua, and he's based in Arkansas. <laughs> One day, some Arkansas trooper just sees all these Sandinistas <laughs> walking around, or maybe they were Contras <laughs> walking around in Hope, Arkansas, or somewhere like that, and uh, and that's what alerted the feds. I think Americans, Arizonans are walking around. They're beginning to see this. They get the message from the school district and it's all come quite by surprise. And we've been surprised quite enough, Abe, right? I think that's the point. Right. And I think, you know, American Made, I think, was the name of that film. It's worth watching, by the way. Go ahead. I'll I'll watch the campaign. Uh, But I think, you know, some of them said that, you know, Afghans are actually on the the Gagini Ranch golf course. And I'm from Scottsdale. Yep. Um, so, you know, I'm sure these Afghans have, you know, they don't have ill intentions. They probably just saw some greenery and thought it was a park. Yeah. I don't think they know what yeah. golf course is. But, it's, you know, this is where is the federal government actually educating them on what they can and can do. Um, I know there's panhandling going on. So are, are they, you know, there just seems to be some sort of... And there's a lot of acculturation that needs to take place. It just would have been a lot more helpful if this was all disclosed ahead of time rather than by the erratic and the surprise, right? Exactly. And this is a failure of not only the federal government, also the state the state government. Like I've told you, I mean, I have firsthand experience with this, you know, with actually teaching English to refugees in the sure. Mormon church. And pizza. You know, I mean, you can have, you know, churches involved. You know, pe- Americans are generous people. But, you know, we don't want to be taken advantage of. We don't, we don't want to be lied to. We just need answers to some of these, uh, you know, questions. And I don't, right now, Parents are concerned, and you know they're going to they're going to be scared. And I think at this point, we need to have a town hall, bring all the parties together, and let's resolve this. Great. Uh, let me do this because I'm running up against a commercial break. Can I keep you one more segment? I, I wanted to get your take on on kind of a related aspect about the what would you call it the disappearing importance of citizenship, the kind of thing you're talking about as being part and parcel of what you used to do, helping teach citizens to be citizens or helping teach new Americans to be citizens. Uh, There's this effort, and it's not just in New York City. New York City is the latest. New York City has now voted to give voting rights in, you know, local elections, voting rights to non-citizen immigrants. Could I get you to weigh in on what that means and how we can make sure that doesn't happen here when we come back? Absolutely, sir. Thanks a lot. We're talking to Abraham Hamaday. He is running for attorney general here in Arizona. Abe for AG.com is his website. Abe for F-O-R-A-G. Abe for AG.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Abraham Hamaday, H-A-M-A-D-E-H. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Abraham Hamaday is our guest. He's a candidate for attorney general here for the state of Arizona. Abe4ag.com is his website. Uh, Abraham, there's this notion and sense that a lot of Americans having that our sovereignty is slipping away and at various from various directions, whether it's the border, whether it's the international scene. Um, but it seems to me any distinction between American and non-American on our own shores is being eviscerated in places like New York City, where the city council and the new mayor just voted to give non-citizens the right to vote. 
Meanwhile, Democrats shouting about election integrity and Republicans wanting to take it away. They're just going ahead and handing out the elections to anyone who 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 comes here, it seems. Uh, What could be done to stop that in Arizona? Were you the attorney general? What is your general sense about this move, this effort? Right. I mean, it's absolutely a joke that non-citizens are able to vote in New York City now. And thank God we're not in New York City. But, you know, it, this is what's happening. This lawlessness that, you know, that is all around us right now, across cities, um, across the country. But, you know, in Arizona specifically, the county recorders and the county elections department actually, they're the ones that run you know, city elections. So as attorney general, what I would do is, um, with, the, with the SB 1487 request, I would hold funds if a city decides to allow non, uh, non-citizens to vote in it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the best way to do it. You, you can sue the cities. Um, you know, they're acting as their own sovereigns. They're not. Um, so you can sue the cities, and, you know, they have to abide by the state laws. And, you know, if the, the legislature needs to get involved as well. But as attorney general, I would have vigorously enforced it. I mean, election integrity is a big platform that I'm running on set because I've seen it firsthand, right? When I was in Saudi Arabia on the army, Voted and it was very, you know, suspect how I voted. I got a, I got a, uh, I had to print off my ballot from a computer, then take it, photo of it on my phone, and then email it to the recorder's office. It was very bizarre. Um, and then when I got back here in September, um, I voted in the Scottsdale elections. And in October, I got three mail-in ballots to my house, right? Um, one of them was for my name. The other one's a previous homeowner who no longer lives here. And the other one was for, I have no idea who they were. But you know, to suggest that our elections are secure right now is just a fallacy. And now throwing in you know potential uh, non-Americans into it is going to complicate it, and it's not it's not what it's intended at all. I mean, this goes to the whole the left. I mean, even Bernie Sanders. I remember back in the debate, um, he he said that he wanted felons to vote. You know, don't forget. This I remember that. Yeah, law. that's right. That's right. And we were talking about the Tsarnaevs and others uh, would would be getting the same access that someone like you or I would have. As to decided deciding and, and determining what our what our what our government what our government should be what our government should do what it should say, uh, talk to talk to me about election integrity a little bit in the context of what looks like it's gone, but man, it's been around for a while. And 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 if there's a crafty person in Washington D.C., it's Nancy Pelosi. And if there's one thing she wants, it's that old version of H.R. One. It is the federalization of our elections. Uh, talk to us a little bit about what the stakes involved would be if the filibuster, you know, had had come to an end and if it was voted in to allow these these election reforms that the Democrats had proposed. What would that have meant and what can we do about it? Well, you're exactly right. Exactly right. Seth. I mean, just look at how far the left is willing to go. Right. Getting rid of traditions like the filibuster to pass you know, this this election bill that they wanted to pass. And, you know, what's so odd to me is if 2020 was the safest, the curest election, why do we need, yeah, yeah, you know, an election yeah. bill on the federal level? You know, there, there's something off with it. And, uh, you know, clearly the Democrats are scared for 2022. This is going to be a huge red tsunami. And once, you know, once we win, Arizona is going to be leading the rest of the country and actually state leadership. You know, I always say this on the campaign trail. The states are the ones that created the federal government. And I firmly believe the states are going to want to be the ones that save this country. Abraham, do you get the sense that the Democrats, knowing that their polling is so bad because their leadership is so bad and their leadership is bad, not only just because of its feebleness, but because its policies just simply are not working, 
Do you think the mantra from the Democrats will be when, when, please God, the Republicans take back the House and Senate, that it will be under dubious conditions because we were against election reform? They're already beginning to cast shadows on the on the on the integrity of the 2022 election. They don't want to talk about 2020 like you and I would normally want to. They're ready to go to 2022, and 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 they're already already preemptively defaming the sanctity of that election. You picking up on that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, you know, they can try that, but clearly the radical left policies have failed. I mean, you're even seeing in San Francisco, you know, that crazy mayor out there who was part of the defund the police, yep. now begging the police, right? Yep. I mean, it, it, it's, you know, sometimes we tend to think people in politics are evil. I tend to think they're just stupid, yeah. to be quite honest. And, you know, clearly defunding the police was not going to work. So. Um, and so, you know, it, Americans are concerned. I mean, we saw this in Virginia, right, with the, uh, when the, when the, the Democratic candidate over there said that parents shouldn't be involved. Oh, yeah, in Terry McAuliffe, right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you saw moms come out in full force against that. And that's what's happening here, even in Scottsdale. I mean, I don't think people, you know, I don't know if some of your viewers were paying attention, but with Jan Michael Greenberg, he was the school uh, school district president. Yeah. I mean, he had a dossier on the, the mother's outfit, uh-huh. right? Just, yeah. you know, it was harassment. He was following them around. And it was awful to see. And, you know, all they were concerned about was, you know, vaccine mandates, and they are concerned about critical race theory. So, no, the, the left policies are going to be their ultimate demise. In 2022, November could not come soon enough because, you know, it's going to be a huge tsunami and we're going to take back power. Abraham Hamaday, thank you very much. I'll give the website out one more time. Abeforag.com. That's Abe, A-B-E, for F-O-R-A-G. Dot com Abraham Hamaday, H-A-M-A-D-E-H. You can follow him on Twitter as well, at Abraham Hamaday. Abraham, thank you very much, sir. As always, thank you, sir. Much appreciated. Um, yeah, I, 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 I am finding it increasingly interesting uh, that where the left doesn't get their way, there's two or three things going on. When they do, it tends to fail. So we're watching the collapse of the policies in real time before our very eyes, no doubt over the weekend or perhaps on your social media accounts from summarizing the news shows over the weekend. You saw some of these town halls that places like CBS put together. <clears throat> nobody, nobody is raising their hand saying the conditions of the country had improved. Nobody. And it was kind of shocking to some of these hosts they couldn't get from these diverse audiences. Anyone who would put in a good word for the Biden administration over at NBC, you had the same thing with uh, Chuck Todd saying Joe Biden has lost credibility with the American voters. He didn't put it with some American voters. He didn't say Democrats. He said with the American voters. It's awfully hard to come back from this kind of thing absent some kind of national crisis which god forbid we would ever we would never want to wish for ever and uh, the problem with that is i don't know that the current leadership could even deal with that that's the problem insufficient options insufficient alternatives it's a philosophical problem it has a political solution and uh, i want to talk about the problems with that political solution when we come back, we will be right back. I'm Seth Liebson, live from the Guns Etc. studios. Don't go away.
Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show live to you from the Guns Etc. studios here at 960 AM, 602-508-0960 is the number. Um, when, when I point out things that Joe Biden has done, I, I got into this in my monologue a little bit in the very first hour, but when I point out things that Joe Biden is doing, that are the same as or worse than what Donald Trump did and got criticized by the media and the left for doing when it was Donald Trump. It's not to point out hypocrisy, nor is it this game of whataboutism, which is a new new game that I, I don't play. It. I don't even agree with the label of it, but it's none of that. It's to explain a little bit why when they were going into high dudgeon against Trump, many of us kind of just shrugged our shoulders because we had been used to the same behavior for Democrat after Democrat after Democrat and corporate media type after corporate media type after corporate media type saying and doing the same things about Republicans and it being fairly standard fare that the corporate media only awoke, uh, only awakened to when it was on Donald Trump's watch. So just small thing about a larger point, small thing, I think it was a small thing, was when Donald Trump started using the phrase fake news. OK, well, first of all, the media went crazy when he started doing that and it started saying they were putting his their lives in danger. Donald Trump was going to war against the media Remember, please, that fake news itself was a liberal originated term and that not only was it a liberal originated term, it was used against conservative media. That's what they were calling fake news. Donald Trump merely appropriated it to use against the left. Once he did that, well, then, of course, Donald Trump was engaging in a dangerous war with the media a dangerous war that never saw a shot fired. So all of that was built into the general cake the Democrats created along with the media that we were going to restore ourselves to some kind of normalcy. Let's go back to the tried and true. Let's go back to the old and genteel. And who represents that more than Joe Biden, vice president, tons of experience in the Senate, chairman of the Foreign Relations Committee, chairman of the Judiciary Committee. By the way, by the way, before I take this point just a little further, Bill, remind me to walk back to the tree if I get too far out on the branch here about uh, anyway, you know what I'm talking about. Before I get too far away uh, from the branch, let me just parenthetically point out. Those were the two chairmanships of Joe Biden in his uh, 30 plus years in the Senate judiciary and foreign relations. How's he doing on both? If you're a liberal, you're probably thinking he ain't doing very good on the judiciary, and he's certainly getting a lot handed to him from the judiciary, a lot handed back to him in a way he doesn't want. And if it comes to foreign relations, uh, how's he doing? How's he doing? Wasn't Trump the one who was supposed to be in bed with Russia? Wasn't it Nancy Pelosi who said on multiple occasions... (laughs) On multiple occasions with Trump, all roads lead to Russia. The Russia, Russia, Russia um, the, uh, refrain waged against Trump. Trump was the guy who gave arms to Ukraine. Joe Biden is the one presiding over the invasion by Russia of Ukraine. But, of course, Trump was the one 
who was too kind and too soft with the Russians, too in bed with the Russians, don't you know? All of it was, I wish I could use the word, I won't, but all of it was nonsense. Here's just another small thing about a big thing here, and it's not the whataboutism. It's why we kind of shrugged our shoulders over Trump's language. We were used to Joe Biden's language. We were used to Joe Biden. When Joe Biden said if you to uh, Charlemagne, when he said to Charlemagne, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black, it was Charlemagne and the Democrats that got all concerned and got all twisted up and lathered themselves up into high dudgeon. It wasn't Republicans. Republicans were used to this from Joe Biden. We knew that Joe Biden was the one in bed with the segregationists in the 70s. He bragged about it. It meant something to us. It didn't mean anything to the Democrats, just as it meant something to us that Ted Kennedy killed a woman. It didn't mean anything to the Democrats. They needed those policies. We cared about the character behind those policies as much as we cared about the policies. But it mattered to us. It didn't matter to them. When Joe Biden said, going to put you all in chains, they tried to cover it up. We tried to expose it because it was one of those unfair reversals of history that Joe Biden and the Democrats like to engage in, as he did a week ago, as if Bull Connor was our responsibility, as if George Wallace was our responsibility, as if we're the ones reciting the Jefferson Davis version of the founding, not his party. I'll give you another one when we come back. It'll be interesting to see how far it shakes out. Already CNN is giving Joe Biden a pass where they didn't give Donald Trump one. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson show. I, you know, I, again, it's 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 probably a good thing that we uh, we conservatives or at least we with common sense don't believe history started 10 seconds ago. Uh, if I can take you back to January of 2021 after Joe Biden was inaugurated, I'll just if you can bear it with it a little bit, I'll just give you a reminder of a big deal. That was made of something Joe Biden said. What was it? It was this. We have an obligation, but we also have a great privilege. Very few times does an individual get an opportunity to do something that can fundamentally, positively impact other people's lives, not only here but around the world. You're engaged in and you're working with the most, the most decent government in the world. And we have to restore the soul of this country, and I'm counting on all of you to be part of that. But I'm not joking when I say this. If you're ever working with me and I hear you treat another colleague with disrespect, talk down to someone, I promise you I will fire you on the spot. On the spot. No ifs, ands, or buts. Everybody, everybody is entitled to be treated with decency and dignity. That's been missing in a big way the last four years. That's enough of that. You get the sense. But it was made a big deal because the press breathed a big sigh of relief. Oh, this is what we mean by the restoration of normalcy. So last week, Joe Biden, that man, that guy, the guy who just said all that, if you're rude, you're going to be fired. If you're disrespectful, there's going to be zero tolerance. I really mean that, as he said. Last week, he said when Jackie Heinrichs of Fox News asked him about have a proactive defense, in the in the Ukraine Russia contretemps, he said, "What a stupid question." Today, today, 
when Peter Ducey asked him a question on uh, on inflation, he said, what a dumb and I can't say the word on air. I can't say it. The president can because he is the FCC. I ain't. What a dumb. It begins with S. It has the letter O and it ends with B. Okay, so it turns out if you work for Fox, disrespectful is fine. If you work for CNN, disrespectful is a firing offense, if not impeachable, if not caused to put in a new president. But it goes a little further than that. That would be what you would say. Well, that's your reading of it, Seth. Well, who's the media reporter at CNN? Last I checked, it was Brian Stelter. Last I checked, he was the man who ran 30 different shows on Trump's war against the media and beyond counting how many shows he ran on Trump's rudeness. So today, New York Magazine catches Joe, sees what Joe Biden says to Peter Ducey, calling him a dumbass, you know what, oh, you know what, B. And, 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 and New York Magazine, liberal New York Manhattan Magazine, writes, of course, this will probably be the lead story on Fox News for the next two days, turning it into a thing when it should really be a blip. Well, on its own merits, Joe Biden said it was a fireable offense, so I don't know why he gets to do it twice in the course of a week and it's a blip. But here's the punchline. Who cares what New York Magazine thinks? Brian Stelter retweeted it with approval. Retweeted it because the war with Fox is more important than anything else, including human decency and including the entire narrative that was needed dressed up with makeup to get Donald Trump out of office. If it's from Fox, let her rip. There's nothing you can't say that will be held in contempt or will be held to the same standard you established and told us we were voting for you for, never mind it being used against Donald Trump when he spoke that way, except... Donald Trump never spoke as harshly as that. Okay, just so we know the world we're in. Keith's in Atlanta. Hello, Keith. How you doing, Seth? I'm fine. How are you? Okay. Hey, um, the thing about going after Donald Trump, saying his rhetoric incited the riots, and they're trying to hold him accountable for January 6th. But I seem to remember when Barack Obama was president, how he verbally attacked police. And that's when it escalated with the BLM crowd, cops like bacon, fry them like bacon or whatever like that. And also the, if you look at it around 2010 or 2012, around that area, that's when the escalation of the police shootings began. And it's really out of control now with the Democrat party. They have not really stood with the cops. They are outright criticizing them and so forth. But you never hear anyone saying Barack Obama should account for what he did. Yeah. I mean, Keith, look, um, there's a there's a lot of ways to dice this problem up, I suppose. And some of it is, of course, hypocrisy. Some of it is dual standards. But most of it, most of it is 
interesting in what they say about Donald Trump having break in the norms, having been aberrational, having been intolerable, having been he whom we cannot stand and whom we cannot name, when to so many of us, so many of us, we had gotten used to that from the verbiage, as you just put it, from the verbiage of Obama, from the verbiage of Joe Biden, from the statements of the media about Republicans. Mein Kampf was the political Bible of the 1964 Republican Convention, the San Francisco Chronicle wrote when it was Barry Goldwater. Ronald Reagan is a racist and an extremist, editorialized the Washington Post when he was pre- This ain't new to us. It ain't new to us. But when someone punched back and gave them a little of what we had been used to on the receiving end, boy, impeach the man, drive him out of public office, but more importantly, impeach the entire political base that supported him. And that's what they're trying to do. I don't want anyone to ever forget that. It was no different with Goldwater. It was no different from Reagan. It's just we now have more voices with social media, so it seems a little bit different. It's no different. What they said about Trump is the same exact thing they said about Reagan and Goldwater when they were alive and when they were running. When they were dead, they weaponized those deaths to show, oh, if we could only go back to that Republican Party of those men once they were no longer a threat to the left. Here's the message. Don't just keep threatening the left. Put them down. Thanks for spending some of your afternoon with us. Uh, I have I, maybe we should do this, Bill, one a, week, one a day, or maybe just do it as a summary on Friday if you can remember. I give you a lot, don't I? Because you keep it, you hold it. Unlike the reservations, the car reservations that Jerry Seinfeld had to deal with, you actually keep it. You actually hold the notes and the reservations, which I thank you for. Um, I have about five major themes in my uh, what political communications life that I try and impart to you. One listener we have, uh, Yair, calls in often uh, seizing on one of them, which is just be careful when you jump for joy over something, a small one battle or a small one victory. I dedicated my monologue. You can go back and get it at 960thepatriot.com if you missed it or if you miss any part of the show. They're all there for free. I dedicated my monologue to talking about the conservative jumps for joy over the things Barry Weiss and Bill Maher said on Friday. I'm not one jumping for joy. I'm one cautioning y'all, cautioning y'all. Don't run too far with it thinking you're going to win any race with it. Honest to goodness, you are in the midst of retail sanity based on wholesale madness as Leo Strauss put it. They're criticizing X, Y, and Z while criticizing the party that shares their views on X, Y, and Z and defending the party that opposes their views on X, Y, and Z. It's enough to make one go crazy. Don't fall for it. Don't. These people are too smart for us to think that we should know better. If you missed it, go back and check it out. And beware this issue that Leo Strauss warned us about back in the 1950s, particularly fashionable in political science. Retail sanity and wholesale madness. You want a version of it? Here's another version of it. Well, Marxism sounds great in theory. Does it? Even if it does, why even say it? 
because the way it works out is not bringing heaven down to earth. It's raising hell to it. Until tomorrow, God bless you all. I'm Seth Liebson. Class is dismissed. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 